into probate weekly. And if you're a real estate agent um, looking to get more listings in this market or your investor, how can probate help you do that? What can you, how can you use probate real estate as a niche to get more business? We're talking about today. In fact, I've identified really 11 different ways you can get listings. Now I have a separate video I did on my YouTube channel, 11 ways to represent buyers in probate real estate. And I have another video, 11 ways to other 11 businesses you can do in probate real estate. But today we're going to talk about 11 different ways, at least I promise you at least you can generate listings, which will lead to sales and or properties you can get as a wholesaler investor under contract to purchase using probate real estate as your niche. I'm Bill Gross. I'm the LA probate expert. We do this every Thursday at four o'clock, probateweekly.com. We stream it live on YouTube and Facebook. If you're there, you can subscribe, like it, you'll get notified. And you can participate there because I'm watching the stream for comments as well on that on those channels. Uh, would this be participative? And those of you, if you come to the Zoom, registering at probateweekly.com, you can participate live and ask questions in the chat or raise your hand. We'll bring you on live. I love to have you participate. I would love to have you have a question and want me to go deeper on something. That's why I do this. This is not, I'm not selling you anything. I'm not selling you any data. I'm not selling you any coaching. I'm selling you on the American dream on two things. One, this is the best time ever to launch or build a business in real estate. I believe that in my heart. Number two, uh, the easiest way to do it is to work hard on a regular basis. You don't have to work ridiculous amounts, a reasonable effort over time, like I've done, and you can make a fantastic business for yourself, creating income and wealth. And so I'm glad to share those details. I'm a practitioner. I live in Los Angeles, California. I have a team of realtors across the country. I'm building 35 agents in my team where we uh, help people across the country. Love to help you as well. So let's get into it today. We're going to talk about 11 ways that you can get listings and or sell property um, as a seller or as an investor wholesaler using probate real estate. So let's get into it. Number one is pre-probate. Now, again, for anybody on the call, if you're on the Zoom call, feel free to jump in anytime in the chat and or raise your hand. I'm watching for as close as I can. And um, uh, if you're there, I'd love to have you. And if you're watching on YouTube, feel free to uh, put a, qu a question in or a Facebook question as well. I'm going to do my best to watch those comments. Number one, pre-probate. What does that mean? So pre-probate, does require you to buy data. There are providers who offer it. Um, Propstein's PropStream is one of them. I did a video with them on my channel. Where you buy data of people who've passed, and they take that data and cross-reference it to people who own real estate. And when the same name pops up, that would become a pre-probate. Somebody who passed who has a property. And, and now obviously, you can't call them because if they passed, do the math, they're, they're no longer available. But uh, if you're looking at the properties, people take those and door knock them or they mail to them and have great success marketing to those people. I recommend, of all the 11 ways, this one is more sophisticated. We started off with the one sophisticated. Maybe I should put it in a different order. But this one's a little more sophisticated, I would say, as a general rule. I would also say that this one works great in combination with other methods. If you're an investor, let's say, in your targeting distressed properties, foreclosures, notice of defaults and such, you can layer over these properties and you'll find that they're going to be more difficult, more challenging, but more importantly, better opportunity for you to create value for a customer to unlock the value. Now, let me just stop for a second and just say, on all these methods, realtors ask me all the time, what's the easiest way to get business? And I say to them, the easiest way I know is to work hard every day because our, we get paid to solve other people's problems. If you're looking for the methodology where you can just buy a data set, 
mail out postcards, sit at your desk and collect the listings and the checks? I don't know of that. But if you put in your effort every day and you pick one of these, become the master of it, I assure you, you can be tremendously successful in any of them. I've used most of these, most of these techniques. I know people who've used the other ones and that's the only reason why I'm presenting it because I know somebody who did this. For example, I know somebody who does pre-probates. Now, they market along with their distressed properties because there's only so many distressed. And this is a way to add in some additional properties to that in the geography they service. This is a geography-based business, meaning unlike maybe, um, I don't know, uh, tax sales, or unlike maybe pre-foreclosures uh, or wholesaling property, this is more going to work for you in a certain geography. Los Angeles County broken down by area, maybe the South Bay or the San Gabriel Valley. We're already working one type of business, expireds or, or distressed properties, you could add in pre-probates. But that's what works for this. Okay? So that's number one. Questions are number one. I don't see any hands up. Um, Juan Navarro, hey, it's Juan from Santa Ana. Juan, nice to see you. And uh, hey, and feel free, everybody in the call, feel free to put your name, your contact info, and what you're looking for. If you're an agent, where do you sell houses? Where are you looking for listings? What's your specialty? If you're a vendor, put your info in. Uh, this is all about sales. We want to help each other be successful. Okay, number two, not seeing any hands up or questions in the chat box. Probate leads marketing to the petitioner. Okay, let's go back for a second because we got a YouTube question. So you got a list of people that, that pass and look them up to see if they have property by B. Ben on YouTube. So um, B, not sure um, uh, what your first name is. But what I'd say is that the data provider, uh, PropStream being one of them, does that data for you. So what you're really getting is a list of properties owned by somebody where the person of record has is passed. Now, it might be they have a trust and it automatically passes. It might be they have a spouse. Though the truth is, many times a spouse uh, uh, is lost and there's a reason they want to downsize or they want to move. So it's certainly a higher predictor of somebody wanting to sell, again, we're looking for motivation than anybody else. So I would say, yes, the data is people who uh, properties are owned by people who've passed and then you're looking to um, see if you can help them, whatever their needs are. I see a hand up, uh, one, one Navarro, let's get you unmuted. And what is your question? You there? Hey, what's going on, Bill? Hey, how you doing? Pretty good, man, pretty good. So I um, kind of have a, a couple questions. Um, I had actually taken a Chad Corbett's course. Uh -huh. This was, um, man, like a little bit over two years ago. So I'm actually here in Santa Ana, California. So I live really close to the, to the courthouse. So uh -huh. I actually went during that time period and it was kind of crazy, man. So I kind of got discouraged and then um, I started doing, you know, uh, you know, virtual wholesaling. It went okay. Uh, but I kind of realized, you know, like uh, this is my backyard. So might as well start here. But uh, I do, you know, obviously wholesaling. So. My, my whole thing was obviously I had the experience prior to, to, uh, you know, to this, everything opening up here now. Mm -hmm. So for wholesaling, um, that's kind of like my issue that I've been having. So would you suggest to look at pre-probate, you know, and would I still need to go to the court for that or like how, what, what would any tips or anything like that? So if you're looking to wholesale, 
you're going to find properties that need to be probated. If you're a wholesaler or investor, what will happen mm -hmm. is you're looking for motivated sellers. In all of these cases, look for somebody who thinks they have to sell their house. Right? There's, right. A, there's what I would call a retail business where mm -hmm. somebody would like to sell a house to buy a bigger house. Right. And that business is different than what we're talking about here. That business looks like you work the neighborhood, they want to move to the bigger neighborhood or the bigger house. Right. They, they interview five agents. It's like a beauty pageant. Whichever one lies to them about the highest price, they hire them to list the property, <laughs> then they buy the property. That's, that's a pure retail business. What we're talking about here in mm -hmm. pre-probate is more of a, you're looking for a motivated seller where somebody mm -hmm. has a house that they don't want. Their grandpa, dad passed. They have a house they don't want. They live in their own house and they want to sell right. it. So the whole service, you're looking for motivated people. Sometimes you're going to find, you're going to knock, door knock or whatever you're doing to generate business. Mm -hmm. And you're going to find somebody who says, I'd love to sell the house, but I live here. My, it was my dad's house and he passed. Well, if they never changed the title through a right. kind of trust, that would be a probate. So pre-probates, if you work them, you can mm -hmm. attack pre-probates as one option. Or the other option I'm going to tell you is you're going to find probates by the other methods you're doing to come across right. the way. As far as whether it makes sense well, to go to court or not, each county is different. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Each county is different. Okay. But the last point I want to say for all these methods, uh -huh. It take they all take time. You know, this is a marathon, right. not a sprint. And you're gonna have right. the the question you have to ask is what do I have to do to be successful? Mm -hmm. Not will it work if I do it for 30 days? If you ask no, that question, no. I'm not no, saying no, you, no. I'm, I'm saying uh -huh. I know this goes through people's heads. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like saying if I get married, well, will it last uh 30 days or more? Well, it won't if you <laughs> ask that question. You right, have to be committed. Right. What do I have to do to make this work? Okay. Yeah. So my question uh was too about you know with everything going on you know um because i'm really close to to the courthouse uh, i'm actually still at work i take my break what a big advantage what a big yeah, advantage so, you have so i was thinking you know because uh, i got discouraged because of that whole it, it was just you know they gave you a limit it, uh i didn't really know what i was doing and no obviously i'm still enrolled in the course i was going to take you know the, the whole course again since i have access to it but I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do this because I'm already here. I have some some deals under my belt. Um, so, you know, during lunch, I take an hour lunch. I can go and, and, and go every day and, and just kind of learn learn there and then just kind of make my mistakes there as, as, I'm, as I'm learning already. Start with that. Okay. Start with that. Go ahead. Do your recon for an hour a day. Start okay. with that. That's okay. how I got started. Cool. Okay, cool. Okay, I got a cool. question. Awesome. Sure. Got a question from my pleasure. Come on anytime. Love to have you. Um, Got a question from Chris Eros. Recommended sources for, for pre-probates. I'm not marketing to them. I know that PropStream has pre-probate leads. I know that alltheleads.com has pre-probate leads. And I know foreclosuresdaily.com has pre-probate leads. So those are three sources that I've worked with. I've worked with Foreclosure Daily uh, pre-probate leads. Um, not sufficiently to really say it's better or worse than others, but those are the three main areas. It probably depends on what county you're in, which is available or not available. Um, but I would check those three sources. PropStream, I'd say is the data leader in the country. Foreclosures Daily does a good job too. And then all the leads is big in probate and they've added pre-probate lately. Okay, and then Jim says, the feedback I got is many agents want leads in their backyard. The advantage with pre-probates is there are many more leads compared to actual probate filings. The disadvantage is the buyer's been to be motivated. Look, in my neighborhood, I have two neighbors who passed. And the families are fixing up the houses to sell them. They're going to sell the house. 
so there, there's more of those. There's more people who pass and have a house and need to sell it. Um, and so it really gets down to, I think, you putting the energy into uh, getting to those people most effectively, first and last and most often. And if you do that, I believe in the long run you'll win. So what's more reliable, pre-probate leads or probate filings? Julie asked for a question. I would say for you, the one that will work is the one that you work. Either one of those systems will work or you know, both will work if you work it. It really gets down to none of these systems work if you make a half-hearted effort. Uh, I went all in a probate. When I started four years ago, I took Pratt, Chad Corbett's, uh, it's now probatemastery.com, before he was working, working for another company. I took his coaching program and he challenged us in the training to be an expert and to go to court and check it out. At least just go once, he said. And I went, I found it fascinating and I went regularly. So I, I started lead generating, but, and I'm gonna talk about that, going to court every day. And of course that stopped the COVID, the court closed down. So I had to change lead generation strategies. But what I'll tell you is I was all in on that one. And my current lead generation strategies, I'm all in on those as well. So whatever you pick, it's not that, and this is my point of having 11 methods. I'm not saying any of them are better or worse. The key is which best for you, given your county where you work, given your strengths and your weaknesses. I love going to court. That's what worked for me. You may not. I'm older. I look more senior to a judge and an attorney, more likely to be uh, an expert than somebody who's young and, a, and an attractive young woman. I'm not saying women can't overcome that. I'm just saying I'm playing the cards I'm dealt as best I can. I think you should do the same thing yourself. So I answer your question. I'd be glad to talk to Julie in depth personally. We're going to jump on here. We could talk a little bit more about that. But I think you need to do an assessment of your strengths and weaknesses and your market strengths and weaknesses and figure out the path for you that works for your business. Does that make sense? It looks like you're nodding. Okay, good. Um, okay, yeah. Um, uh, feedback on fine, got that. Most reliable, got that. Successorsdata.com. Yes, is another source. I like Maury. He's a good guy, so another good one. And then Julie asks, are sellers more open to discussion in pre-probate environment or upon filing? Being empathetic, family's grief is important to me. I agree, would agree with you, Julie. Um, so when they file, they've obviously gotten over their grief enough to start uh, the process of uh, going to court and dealing with that. Uh, Pre-probate, maybe not. Uh, they may not even know that. You, you might be calling on a property where the heir doesn't know their uncle died and, and won't find out for six months. So um, obviously we want to be empathetic when we approach people. Um, you know, We don't want to call and say, hi, see somebody died, we want to sell your house. Though I'm sure if you call enough people, that would work. But that's not what I'm going to do. So answer your question, Julie. I don't know if I'd say they're more or less open to it. I would say pick the format that works better for you and just be sensitive whichever way you go. Okay. Okay. I think we covered pre-probate. Let me just check on the live stream. Uh, thank you. Uh, who are the Facebook users? I don't know who it is, but thank you very nice. And where would I find pre-probates? I think I mentioned the, for, the sources. Again, um, PropStream, uh, foreclosuresdaily, alltheleads.com, and yeah, successorsdata.com is another one that... Uh, is a good source to look at. Okay, so let's continue, number one. Number two, probate leads marking to the petitioner. Now this is different. You're buying data or getting yourself at the courthouse or online of people who somebody's passed, there's an estate, there's something of value there. 
And somebody else, presumably, other than the decedent, has sought to file paperwork saying to the, the state where they reside through the court process in that county, hi, I want to be appointed to resolve this matter or be in charge of resolving this matter. And so we would call that person the petitioner. They're filing a petition, and they either want to be an executor or an administrator. Either they want to be appointed an executor of a will, if there's a will, or if there's no will, they want to be appointed administrator of the intestate estate, the state without a will. And so most commonly, people buy the data because you can get the filing data, and there are companies that do that and assemble it and sell it, and they'll cross-reference it with phone numbers and, in some cases, email addresses. And you can contact the petitioners. Um, I'd say this is highly competitive in big markets. I'm in LA, highly competitive here. The average petitioner is going to get about 30 to 50 people who call them at least once, and we'll probably get 30 to 50 mailings of some sort over the first 30 days. So knowing that, you either have to be better than that or work within those odds. I would say it's less competitive in smaller counties because the data is not always available. On my website, thelaprobate.com, in the far right, I have probate resources and have a list of every data company I've come across. So if you're not in a major county, Good, good opportunity for you. There, I've identified, I think, 12 or 13 data companies, and maybe only one or two or three have the data in your county. Good for you. That's competition. So you can call people, obviously. You can mail to people, obviously. You can try to social media target them or geo-target them. You can door knock the houses if you want to. There's different ways to market to the petitioner, who is the person who's seeking to be in charge of the estate for a property that eventually has to be sold. So again, there's different ways to do it. And I think the process here is for you to evaluate what are your strengths. If you don't have a lot of money, for example, mailing makes no sense at all. Mailing is gonna cost you in round numbers about a buck a mailer, 50 cents for the piece, 50 cents for the postage, round numbers. And you've gotta mail the people, you gotta plan to mail probably in competitive markets, maybe six times on average. And so that's six times a dollar times however many leads you have. You get 100 leads a month, it's not just $600 a month because you're adding in another 100 every month of new data. And if you buy just one month and worked it, yeah, you have 100 leads and you can just work those 100. But if, if you're gonna every month add another 100 and mail it to them for six months, $600 the first month, $1,200 the second, $1,800 the third. So when, when Chad did this program, he actually laid out making a budget by month of what you're gonna spend to figure out because most people start and say, well, I'll just, mail the first month or two, and by then I'll get a deal. Well, but some of these deals take a year from the average of the first contact. In fact, I can give you a, a long story behind this if you're interested. Somebody has to ask me the question though, but the short version is, I can tell you that the average time period for the average real estate, from the first time the lead raises their hand till closing is two years on average. Buyers and sellers, surprisingly enough. That's the average. Not all of them, for sure not all of them. Plenty of people decide one day to buy or sell and the next day get in a contract. But it's a bell curve and the vast majority are gonna take two years. So if you're in business, you need to have a plan that addresses at least the average. You've got to be in business, whatever you're doing for two years. And so if you're gonna mail out six times to every probate lead, that's a big budget to do that for a two year period. That's a lot of money. So most people that's not a viable option in my, in my book. I was doing it and I was getting business out of it and I was making a lot of money. I could afford to do it. 
when COVID hit, I stopped because it didn't make sense at the time, and I've not restarted. Full disclosure, I'm not mailing out to petitioners today. I market to petitioners, but I don't mail to them. But this is the way to do it. Again, you can, and the other is to call them. Now, if you're going to call, it's competitive. But like anything else, if you're better than the competition, you win. I started in real estate as an agent calling expired listings. And there's a script and I practiced, and I role played every day. I role played with a partner for 15 minutes and called for uh, three hours a day, every single five, Monday through Friday. And the advantage of calling is, and this is where I think a lot of agents make a mistake, they want to avoid the phone calls. But the problem is all the marketing you do is designed to do what? To get the seller to call you. And so you can have the world's best website and marketing materials and mailers, and you can have mailers that are little like Zoom robots that go out to their house, knock on the door, hand your business card, grab them by the hand, and walk them to your office. But you're still going to have to have a sales conversation to get them to sell the property. And so the reason I like new people starting as phone callers is it gets you in the habit of calling people, um, which inevitably is what you need to do to convert leads into contracts. Does that make sense? I also, I, I would say probate leads, you can also market another strategy in that. And each of these 11, I could do an hour long conversation. We're already 24 minutes into our time. But what I could say is a, a second strategy with this number two is you can offer those petitions instead of talking about listing the property, a probate advance. Now, last week I interviewed one of the vendors. I run a call every week on Wednesdays, uh, getprobate.cash. Wednesdays, 8.30 Pacific time. It's also my Zoom on my uh, YouTube channel. Where you can say, I'm just curious, would it help you to get an advance against your future inheritance of ten dollars or $20,000? It's expensive, but if you can get ten dollars or $20,000, might that get you the best attorney for the job? Or help you get an attorney to get the squatter out of the house? Or avoid foreclosure? So that's a way you can call the same database two different ways, from two different angles. What I call two bites of the apple. So that's contacting probate leads directly, marking to the petition. Really, there's two different methods there under that one. You're just calling them directly for listings, and the other one's calling them with probate advances. Any questions on number two before I go on? Am I going too fast? Is this about right? Is this helpful? And here's what I want you guys to do when you're listening here is when you hear something you're going to do, take action, put in the chat box, I'm going to do that. I'm doing this because I need to add another method to my business. I'm, I'm, I'm putting all my chips in. I'm doing great. Took a great listing last week. I'm about ready to put another deal in the escrow today, closing one tomorrow. This is great for me. Smiling ear to ear. Love real estate. But next year is going to be tough for a lot of people, and I'm determined to grow my business. So I need to do more. So I'm reviewing these myself too. That's why I decided to do this today. So I want you to find another method to add to your business. I don't want this just to be as good looking and charming as I am. I don't want this to be entertainment. I want this to be you adding something to your business. Robin says, cold calling is not permitted in Scarsdale, New York. What's the best source of email leads? You know, Robin, I, I believe it's also legal to email unsolicited as well. I think we call it spam. So be careful. Uh, cold spam, uh, cold emails. I would say then you need to work on referrals uh, to get people who can introduce you to those people rather than uh, cold call them. Though I'll say that you're not really cold calling them if you're just calling to offer a service. You're not selling them anything, but that's for you to determine. Um, but uh, I, would not, I would not cold email people. I think that would be a, a big mistake. Okay, next, probate lead marketing to the attorney. Same data source. 
But now instead of calling the petitioner, we're calling the attorney. Why would we call the attorney? Anybody have a guess? Why would we call the attorney rather than the petitioner? Anybody in the chat box? Why would we call the attorney? Because attorneys run the world. No, Jack, that's the wrong answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> and for that, you'll be penalized. You're going to have to write, I hate attorneys 50 times on the chalkboard. Oh, no one hates attorneys more than me. Well, no one hates attorneys more than attorneys. That's for sure. That is for sure. Uh, Donnie says that uh, Douglas to build a relationship. Right. Um, so do the attorneys designate the, the real estate agent? Well, they don't designate, but they might introduce, they might refer. In some cases, the attorneys acting on behalf of the state, they might choose the, 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 the real estate agent. Julie says sometimes the minor child's involved. Yeah, so the attorney can, can um, on behalf of, they're acting as a fiduciary on behalf of the state, make the decision, so they're involved. So we mark the attorney because there's a variety of ways, but here's the thing you have to think about. At the end of the day, business, in real estate at least, the business is talking to people. We're in the talk to people business. We're looking for people, either one or two people, people who, can, who need to sell their house, we call those prospects or leads, or people who know people who need to sell houses regularly, right? If somebody knows somebody who, who needs to sell houses regularly, we call those referral sources, attorneys, uh, adult care facilities, insurance agents, all kinds of people could be um, wealth managers, CPAs, uh, mortgage brokers, all kinds of people could be referral sources. So one reason why we call attorneys or market attorneys is because they could be a referral source of business for us. Also, you're going to find that sometimes, you're, and this is why you want to pick two that work together, you might be marketing to the petitioner, Jane, and Jane's attorney is Joe. And if you're talking to Jane and she tells you you work with Joe, you talk to Joe, and you've talked to them before, they're both more likely to pick you or approve you. You don't have the attorney throwing you out the door for somebody else. So I think it's important to work both sides of that deal. And recently, it's so funny because Jack's on the phone. I had referred him a client that I thought was a non-probate case about a year ago, but it was involved in probate and it came back, it circled back to a probate attorney that he introduced me to. She did a great job and never really got anywhere marking to her. And then I referred him another client that I thought was a non-probate. It was involving probate, but I thought it was more litigation. But Jack referred again to the same probate attorney. Fantastic. But now I've already talked to her once. So the second time the, the relationship is, is much better. And so the more you talk to people, the more you work on them, the more you develop the relationship, the more likely they are to do business with you because they know, like, and trust you. And, you know, the thing about her, uh, Bill, is she's opposing counsel for me on a case, but she's good at what she does. So um, you know, the other thing is in real estate, uh, in real estate, I find it amazing when real estate professionals think that other real estate professionals are the enemy when they're really, uh, they can sometimes be your biggest uh, supporters. You know, it's funny you say that because on the case, that case that you referred me, the other attorney representing the seller was, a, was an attorney that I had been getting business from as a probate attorney. It was a brutal case. I'm representing the, the buyer and I'm strongly protecting my buyer and there's litigation as a result, but she appreciated the job I did and she's since, we've done business together since. So that attorney, just because you're on the other side, they'll respect you if you're good. They're, as opposed to realtors, we tend to get victimy and, and hate each other because the other one's strongly representing their client, which is really your job at the end of the day. 
Um, okay, so Eva says she's starting after Thanksgiving, she's going to go to court two hours every morning. Eva, I love you. I'm in love with you. Where do you practice uh, real estate, Eva? Eva, not responding, but uh, I love that idea. I think it's fantastic. Um, that's what I used to do for, that's what I did uh, pre, uh, um, I think you're in, I see you're in 661. So you're up in, um, I think we've talked before. I think you're like in Santa Clarita or something. Good for you. And my grandmother's name is Eva. So good for you. Um, okay, so let me get down to some of these questions I'm missing. Um, depends on delivery. If you're calling an attorney, it's business, business, not business to consumer, which is not covered under the DNC law. Okay, so Matt's saying that you can cold call attorneys. It's not covered under the do not call law. Correct, but I'll tell you, there's no, no group of people that hates being cold called more than attorneys. And there's no group of people who will threaten you more for cold calling, even when they're wrong. In fact, they'll sound more right the more they're wrong than attorneys. And if you want to, I'm not saying not to do it. I'm not going to cold call attorneys. I'm going to warm call attorneys whenever I can, but I'm not going to cold call attorneys. But, uh, and that says the judge in your area. And Matt, I think in North Carolina, I think people are just nicer there. I'm in Los Angeles, California. Nobody's really nice here. So uh, again, just be, be aware of regional differences in the business. Um, Deborah asked, does the petitioner designate the real estate agent or the attorney or, or do they approve together? So the, the truth is, the, uh, uh, at the end of the day, the petitioner is the one who is making the decision. The attorney is advising and representing them in the legal matters. And so generally speaking, it's the petitioner who has the decision. But in practice, most customers, more than 50% for sure, will think that the attorney has to approve it for some reason or assume it or to maintain good relations because they know the attorney is difficult, particular, whatever word you want to use. They're not going to do anything about the attorney's approval. Oftentimes, I find customers who've done that and now regret it because the attorney doesn't know what they're doing, and I'm trying to help them unwind that, change attorneys, and get the, in fact, the deal that I sent to Jack, that's exactly what that was. He had an attorney, and he was unhappy and left him, and we put him somewhere else, and it really wasn't that complicated. So the answer to your question, Deborah, is um, it, it varies on the case. Some cases, it's attorneys. Some cases, it's petitioners. I always act like both are making a decision. I, I always want to talk to both as though they're the decision maker. And if I get both of them to agree, that's a home run. But I never assume the sale until I have the sale. Uh, Peter asks, can a non-attorney collect overages for people who lose their homes to foreclosure? So Peter, I'm going to assume that uh, varies by state. I don't know the answer in other states. In California, there's no overage. The overage will go back to the um, the trust the trust door the 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 bank meaning they're selling the property whatever is there goes to them uh, if it if they get paid in full which i've never seen happen then that would go back to the person the beneficiary the person who took out the loan will get any overages if there's any but i've never seen it happen evans and lancaster great you just closed two probate listings two more to go eva congratulations good job um okay and then Peter stumbled in representing errors when three people died on your block. There you go, Peter. Um, so sometimes just uh, you say stumble, but you know, be ready and take advantage of the opportunity and go with it. Um, what can you say that would help attorneys? Well, Eva, one of the things about attorneys is I think they respect expertise and professionalism. So 
What they don't do is respect the average realtor, and probably rightfully so. And so when I would deal with attorneys, I would always want to be distinctly different. So, for example, when I go to court, I always wear a suit, white shirt, silk tie, dark Brooks Brothers suit. I look like a high-priced Century City attorney. That's my goal. I have a bag um, on wheels. In fact, you can see it right back there. I will that. Why? Because a lot of attorneys, when they go to court, have a bunch of files that carry around those kind of cases. That's my prop. Really, all that's in it is probably my lunch, maybe my wallet or keys or something. But Or the probate code, well, I'll carry in there. But again, I look professional. I have business cards for attorneys separate from my regular cards because they look professional. But I also feel like I create value for them by helping them navigate through the probate process because many of them do a bunch of other stuff and an occasional probate. They really don't know what they're doing, and I can help them, particularly on those that need court confirmation. So when you can offer the expertise, attorneys really appreciate it. That's my experience. Uh, not all do. Those don't work with me. Enough do. Those work with me, and I make good money as a result of that. So I'm always looking for people where I can create value for them, and then it, it just works out that they'll do business with me. Um, uh, I said, I hang out at the courthouse and broach conversation with attorneys in LA County. Can I chat about how you introduce yourself? So think about Jim. I had this data. I would have all the probate leads and I sorted them by case and date and hearing. So I knew when I went to court, which department I wanted to go to, which attorney I'm looking for. So I knew I would look at, you know, let's say today I look at tomorrow's court matters. I'd say, okay, I want to meet back up with that attorney. I, I talked to them about a case or I did a deal with them. So I'm going to make sure I'm there now. Tell them. I'm there to see them. I'm like, oh, wow, funny meeting you here. Wow. Um, how are you doing? What's going on? How's the family? Buy a cup of coffee afterwards. Uh, you know, it, I'm a real estate agent. Uh, real estate agents door knock and meet people. I door knock to the courthouse and met people. So at court, it's really just about getting into conversations. Sometimes in court, you would hear about a case, and I would text or email them or approach them afterwards and offer help if there was an area that I could help in. Again, position myself as an expert. I think most people appreciate the expertise of an expert. That's what I was looking to do. Um, I'm getting static. So is my, is my audio statically? Can I get a thumbs up if, if it's clear, thumbs down? Okay, so I'm thinking, Martha, I'm thinking it's on your end. Jack says maybe uh, three thumbs up. Okay, so I'm thinking, Martha, it's on your end, but I'm sorry it's the best I could do, but it is, after all, the internet. Um, okay, so Natalie asked my ears. <laughs> Natalie asks, who does the advance? Is our companies that come from our, our pocket? Natalie, uh, you're in, I'm a business person. I got a thumbs down on Facebook. Sorry about that. Thank you um, for letting me know, though. Um, Natalie, um, I have a company that does that. Uh, there are other companies that do probate advance. I interviewed one last week. Um, I, sometimes I advance money on my own as, uh, uh, for expenses. I have getprobate.cash. If you sign up for that, you'll get a copy of the episode, if you, whether you make it or not, or on my YouTube channel. If you reach out to me, if you text or email me, I'll be glad to send you the link to that. But who does advances? Again, the answer is, you know, you can use a vendor or I have a company that I do that myself now. I, I do enough of them and I want to do a better job than any company does. So I work with those companies on a wholesale basis. They give me a percentage of their income and I, I, I think give better service to my customers and our friends. Okay, uh, Evan says, what about creating a website concentrating on probate write articles, do videos, and how it works at the courthouse. Well, Eva, that's what this is. <laughs> um, when I couldn't go to the courthouse, I started this to talk about probate, and then I make sure I send it to attorneys and probate uh, petitioners and such to get business. So, uh, Eva, I'm all on board with 
content related to probate. And if you're interested in talking about that offline, reach out to me and let's share some ideas. Um, but I would love to. Uh, I, it's my life's ambition to. Uh, I have a YouTube channel. I have a Facebook group. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I, I write as much as I can on probate. I try to stay in that space. But I think you hit the point. And so Eva's on on point here that if you create content, and then that will help you get attention from the attorney. So marketing to them, knowing who they are, uh, and then that way when you talk to them, knowing how much business they do. You know, when I talk to a probate attorney, I'll, I'll search the data to see how many probates, if any, they've done in the past or their firm has done in the past. So I know who I'm talking to, how important they are from a marketing point of view. Okay, that's number three. Gosh, I'm going too slow here, but hopefully this is useful. Um, let's go to number four. MLS full authority. So MLS full authority <clears throat> is, as a real estate agent, if you belong to the MLS, in California, there's two types of cases, and there's basically two types of most jurisdictions. Those that need court approval, we'll call those the much harder cases, and those that don't need court approval, we'll call those the easier cases. More commonly, full authority cases are easier and don't need much more legal stuff. Why would you want to market to MLS full authority? Because as a real estate agent, do you need to look at property all the time to establish values, yes or no? Yes. Yeah. Do you, should you as a real estate agent at all times have a couple of properties if somebody says to you, hey, I'm looking for a good deal, do you have anything? At least you could say, I don't know how good it is, but it looks pretty good to me. How about this? Should you all have a list of those properties, yes or no? Yeah? If you, had a, if you had a property today that was worth $500,000 that you could put in contract for $400,000, as is it's worth five hundred, dollars you get it under contract for $400,000, who would spend a couple hours to, and find a buyer and get that sold besides me? Maybe you shouldn't because I'll beat you to it because those deals don't really exist so much, but when I find one, I'll call my investor group and offer to them, right? We all do that as agents. So the challenge is you only have so many listings as an agent. You kind of create your own kind of quasi listings. Now we can't lie about whether it's our listing or not, but what we can do is if we want to become a probate expert is go in the MLS, create a search of all probate properties in your area, your jurisdiction. And I think I figured out the, the noise you're talking about is the background. I just got that. You can get all the properties that are probate in your county, in your area, whatever it is, and just look at the listings when they come up. Because you need to look at property every day as an agent, see what's on the market. I do it in our area. We have the MLS agent detail full, and I get that sent to me on every probate. So I see who my competition is. I see what they put in their remarks. I watch the status of their listings. But also, if I find a really good deal, I'll call my clients and say, hey, I see this property. It looks like a great deal. Have you looked at it? Now, I'm not going out and buying it. I'm not in the business. I mean, I would buy a good deal if I found it. But I have clients who are always looking at properties and willing to do more research and more in-depth research. So why would you want to do MLS full authority? Because if you looked at that and you sent it 100 in a year, might you get one sale? Yeah. But that one sale is a probate and has with it an attorney. And the trade does multiples. Now you have your opportunity to meet them, not cold calling them, but approaching them as, hey, I'm a probate expert. Uh, I list probates for attorneys like you, but I also represent investors who buy them. 
And that's why we bought this property. I'd love to help you with your next clients. Right? It's a different conversation. So this is one you, anybody who wants to add probate as a listing agent, I think you should add to your repertoire, to your system. Because even if you only sell one or two buyers a year and make very little on it even, maybe it's lower commission, maybe whatever. Maybe you're freighted out to a buyer's agent to, like I do. I'm not going to go look at the property. I'm not going to drive the property. I'm going to get a buyer's agent to meet my client and, and work out those details. But if I get the deal in escrow, now I'm talking to the attorney. Or I can't talk to the attorney if there's an agent, but when the deal closes, I can call the attorney when I've done the business with them. And it's a different conversation. So that's number four. I think this is a low volume business, but you must have this. If you're a realtor looking to do listings in a probate, must have. Robin asks, what do I think of probate data by MTI education? Are the data's good? Ching, it's funny, I've reached out to them to try to find out more about them, to interview them. I've not been successful. Mike Torres, I've known for a long time. I've seen him, he has a, a guy who's like a full-time coach. Um, you know, he's not a practitioner, so I think it's difficult to coach people when you don't do this every day. But the data I think is, is solid. Uh, Robin, do you, use the, do you use that data? What's your feedback? I'm always looking for, on my website, I have my list, but I'm always asking you guys, well, send me back your reactions because I'd like to get the feedback and, and, and add it into the system. Okay, so MLS full authority, is that clear how to do that? Right, I think it's a must do if you, if you wanna get listings. Again, you're not gonna sell 10 properties a year. You might only sell one. You might not sell any all year. You might only make an offer or two, but you'll see the process. You'll learn the forms. You'll see what probate looks like on the buyer's side, why are you trying to get listings? Then there's MLS limited authority. So these are properties that do need court confirmation. So these are harder, take longer. A lot of buyer's agents skip these because they know they're difficult and there's a lot of ambiguity to them. I focus in on these. Why? Because again, whereas on the full authority, I might not talk to the attorney until we close, on these, if I go to court, I'll meet the attorney, which is great. Love them. So I have a search in the MLS for every one of these. I make sure I look at them. If there's a good deal, I want my buyers to buy them. I want them to offer on them. Uh, so definitely, same idea as number four, but this one's a little different. And then more importantly, and this is what I understand, if you have a buyer who's willing to go to court to bid on one of these, or be the original buyer on them. And they go to court and people say, well, you don't have to go to court. You can go video. Quick question. Should you go to court? If you have a buyer who's the buyer being confirmed on these, or you have a buyer who wants to overbid on these in court, should you go to court? Maybe your client says, I'm going to be on video. You don't need to go to court. Should you go to court? Trick question. Obviously, it's tough enough to get into court when you have nothing to do, how do you think an attorney looks at you when you show up in court looking professional, acting intelligent, knowledgeable about probate, and with a client buying their property? Better than the average bear, right? So for sure, these are gold when your buyers want to buy these. I made my living by looking for these properties, bringing investors in to buy them. Didn't make a lot on them. Sometimes it's 1.5%, 2%. I didn't really care because I wanted to be in front of the judge in front of the attorneys. And in those days, um, before COVID, uh, the hearings was 
was like, you know, 10, 20, 30, 50 people in the room. There were a bunch of traders who would see me over and over and over again. I had judges who would recognize me over and over again. What was that worth? What was it worth when a judge recognized me in front of those other attorneys? So if you have a chance to go representing a buyer, don't settle for the video. I don't care if you drive two and a half hours. I don't care if you stay over the night beforehand. There's nothing more valuable than going there to court and meeting the attorney. And you would say, well, maybe the attorney's on video. Okay, maybe they are. You won't know to the day of. The judge is there, though. Worth it in gold that time. Worth it in gold. Okay, that's number four. Any questions so far on one through four? We're going to kind of run out of time here, so maybe we'll, we'll have to break this in two pieces. Let's go to number five. Hold on a second. Number six, court confirmation sales and auctions. Again, this is what I specialized in. I track every single property for sale that needs court confirmation in LA County and Orange County, every single one. And I look at them and I've, I've built up a database of investors who want to bid on them. I'd love to have a team member who wants to join me in Orange County or San Bernardino or Riverside to add to my process. But what I do is I create that list and look at them and I'm just begging investors to buy them because then I get to go to court and meet the attorneys and see the judge and social media outside the court on the way there and social media on the way on the back. It's like a complete home run. Plus you sell a house. So don't back off. And if in your county, other than those, I don't know how it works in other counties, but if the court has to confirm there is a calendar of events, find the calendar that has those events on it and figure out how you can track all those or go there in person. Now, in the MLS, it will sometimes say court confirmation on November 23rd at 8 p.m. at the courthouse. Maybe you should just go sometime and watch that happen. I'll tell you guys a story. I used to go to these every day when pre-COVID. And the LA County Courthouse was a second and sixth floor were probates. On the first floor, one day I just wandered around, because I'm that kind of guy, they have sheriff sales. Sheriff sales are not the most common foreclosures you think about. We call selling a property at the county steps. Those are usually done by third parties at the courthouse, not in the courthouse. The sheriff sales are in the courthouse. In LA County, very rare, maybe one, maybe two a month. Every week, there might be one every other week. But they were downstairs from probate court at 10.30. Probate court was like 8.30 to 10. I go downstairs, get a cup of coffee, watch the sheriff's sale. I learned them. I represented a buyer on one of them. As a result, I found an attorney who bought one, uh, uh, well, okay, too complicated, for his client, and I approached him to sell it. I got that listing. That was a million-dollar listing in Walnut, sold that a year ago. And they came back and had a commercial property I just listed, same people, all because I was in the courthouse, wandered around, and learned about sheriff's sales in LA County. Now, I'm not saying sheriff's sales in our county is all that productive. I'm saying that somewhere in your courthouse, there's business. Your job is to go out and find it. Just go out and find it. So go to your courthouse, find out what's there, find out what else is going on, what other real estate business is going on. Ask questions and be involved in that. Okay. Questions on court confirmations. I'm not a lot of talking today. You know, I'd like this to be interactive, guys. Somebody say something. Tell me to stop. I'm too fast, too loud. This is helpful. We're getting some good pointers. Yeah. Okay. Number seven, courthouse farming. 
That just means, so anybody here besides me ever door knock? So when you door knock, do you know the people have to sell or not? Or are you looking to find those that are looking to sell? So in, in a courthouse, there's hundreds of people. And if you can figure out, you're going to find there's a place where the people who have houses to sell congregate. How do you get hit by a car? You stand in traffic. And so for me, the courthouse farming led to sheriff sales, led to a couple things I've learned about. One day, I'm walking down the hallway, and some guy that I knew, a young guy, passes by me. We, I recognize him. Couldn't remember his name. Shame on me. I'm not good with names, as I should be. And we start chatting a little bit. He gives me his card. And you know, he says, you know, give me a call. What are you doing here? I'm, I'm here working on probates. I work on sheriff's house. You know, I, I, and it turns out this attorney does um, um, credit, uh, creditor representation where a lender lends somebody money. They don't pay him back. They take the property back through court action. Somebody's got to sell the property. He had a couple listings. He wanted me to sell him. Just literally walking through the courthouse, I bump into a guy that I know, got a listing, sold and got paid. And that listing led to a listing, led to another one. So really, if you're going to go to court, wander around the place. You know, hang around the coffee place for a little bit. Give them a tip. You know, I used to always tip when I went to um, the court. There was a coffee place in the courthouse. And I think coffee was like, I don't know, 320. I always gave them five bucks. Because when you tip those people like a buck 80, they like kill for you. I'd be in line and they would see me and get my coffee for me and hand it to me. Number one, they got the tip. Number two, people around me like, who are you? I'm the guy that tips a buck 80, but you add it up, it's a couple hundred bucks. Do you think I got a deal because of that? 100%. So farming, you know, as real estate, we door knock and we, uh, people put on parties and do all kinds of stuff. At the end of the day, it's meeting people. In court, that's where people are there to do some kind of business. There's some kind of money going on in court. Yes or no? Yes. So I call it, I call it courthouse farming. Um, okay, let's go to number eight. Living trust for consumers. I think we'll wrap up with this. And we'll continue um, later. Living trust. So this is a whole business. I was talking to an, a lady who's an attorney and a realtor. And I think most of us, you know, are looking for something and say, well, how can I get business where people will kind of come to me? This is one of those if you buy the value of this. So personally, I think everybody should have a proper estate plan. Number one, for sure, if you own a house, <clears throat> because you don't want to go to probate. Number two, if you have kids and you have any assets at all, you want them to avoid having to fight over your assets. Number three, God forbid you're incapacitated, not even dying, just you're in a coma. What do you want done? Do you want to have the plug pulled or not? You should be making those decisions when you're able to, not when you're not able to. And more importantly, don't leave those decisions to your family to fight over. It's, it's just heartbreaking. I've seen people go through this. So I really believe in my heart of hearts, everybody should have a plan ahead of time in writing, a proper one. Because I believe that, I market that to my clients. Not enough. I'm not a full-time estate planning attorney, but I do some of it, and I interview estate planning attorneys as a result, and I get referrals from estate planning attorneys as a result, and they're wealth management people. So there's a number of ways you can work this, but at the end of the day, if you can help people 
protect themselves and have the peace of mind to protect themselves and generate business for the estate planning professionals, do you think you'll get business? Like if you're a realtor, if you talk to everybody you ever sold the house to and said, hey, those that didn't, I noticed you don't have a trust. Are you aware of the advantages of an estate plan? I'd love to send you a video I found on the importance of a estate plan. Or I'd love to send you a link to a website that has a very low cost estate plan. Or I'd love to introduce you to a great estate planning attorney I know. And she'll do a, she or he will do a no cost consult with you about what you can do to protect yourself and your family. Do you think people would like that phone call? Yeah, hey, Bill, just, just so, I, and I'm not doing this to drum up business because I don't do this kind of work, but I have looked. Uh, in my years of dealing with real estate litigation stuff, I've looked at estate plans and such. You get what you pay for. And yeah. if you go to a website and get it, it may be okay. If you go to a really cheap attorney who's been out of school for two years, it may be okay. Um, but if it's worth doing, it's certainly an estate plan is worth doing right. And it's worth the investment, especially if you have real estate, especially if you have kids. And ironically, one of the things that came up a lot is uh, siblings. If you have uh, siblings and you have young kids, you wanna make sure that your kids are taken care of by the right person yeah. and not put up to the courts for that. And that's a, that's a whole nother thing. But even if you are single, no kids, maybe you know own one property or whatever, having an estate plan in place for when you get to the point where you're buying a house and getting married and having kids, you can modify that as you go along. I mean, my wife and I have modified ours uh, a couple times and our kids are now uh, adults. So um, we don't have to worry about that, but you get what you pay for when it comes to legal work. I remember when there's the courthouse in LA County, there's second floor is probate, well, departments, sixth floor is departments, fourth floor is the probate research room. You go in those computers and this woman came in so distraught that her son, who I think was like 28 or 30, had been in an accident and was in a coma. And I think they wanted to terminate, I don't know the exact particulars, but they didn't have any paperwork, they didn't have any authority to do anything. And so whether you want to terminate and, and you can't, or you don't want to terminate and you're, they're forcing you to, whatever, whichever it is, you don't want to be in a situation to have the state of California make that decision for you, you wouldn't have that power yourself. So it's just, it's grim to think about, but particularly if you have a family and kids, please take care of those things ahead of time. However you want to do it, however you want to, your matters handled, just get them in writing with a proper legal assistance and a, a proper attorney and get that done. So really important. But again, you can see I'm passionate about this. So I talk to this about my clients. As a result, I end up generating referrals to estate planning attorneys and as a result of that, some of them call me back with business. So that's something we can do. Okay, I'm gonna just flip through, we'll cut the next couple because I wanna get this all done. Nine, living trust from attorney referrals. Obviously, if you call your center of influence and your clients and offer this, some, and you tell them I work in probate, I'm a specialist of probate, that seeds your business for probate referrals. At the same time, number nine, if you do that, or you interview attorneys to learn about the different offerings they have, you're gonna get referrals from the attorneys. That's how it works done that. I do both of these. I do eight and I do nine. Great source of business. But you know, you need to generate business for them too, or introductions to people they want to do business with as well. So that's number nine. Number 10, CY referrals. Look, you want everybody you know. The best probate business is people 
you already know, and this is what you we don't understand as realtors, your first private deal is right inside your current database. What you don't know is one of your past clients has an aunt who passed away, and that aunt's kids don't know what to do. And that would be a probate, but they don't know what to do. And if you have to talk to that client and mention you do probate, you can call the kids and say, oh, I know a probate attorney. We can get you your case file. I can help walk you through it. And now you have helped them, and you get a listing. I am telling you, there's probate business right inside your serum influence. We have to approach them the right way. You have to have content to your COI, which means you have to, in your email, maybe once a quarter, talk about estate planning. You have to talk about probate once in a while on your social media. And when you call them, offer the service. Offer and invite them to an estate planning webinar online. I've done them. I do them all the time. You guys are welcome to bring your clients to mine and let me know you've registered them. I'm not going to call your clients. Let's work on one together if you're in the area. So COI, your seven influence should be your best source. My first, I called an attorney friend of mine. Uh, I have attorney friends, Jack, um, just FYI. And I called him up and it turns out he had a client who had some sort of a real estate problem. And she, I, I talked to her and I went to her house and met her. And I told the story a few times. I listed her rental property and then sold it and then listed her house and sold that. All because I called an attorney client and told him I was doing probate real estate. He said, well, I don't know if it's a probate or not. I know the guy died but you should help her out. And as a result, I got, technically it was a probate listing, either one of them, but technically I got paid a lot of money on two sales. So it all worked out. And the number 11 is, oops, went the wrong way, networking. The biggest problem real estate agents have, we're gonna make it just under the hour. The biggest agents, real estate agents have, in my opinion, I go to a networking event and they'll introduce themselves. Who's seen this besides me? And the real estate agent will say, Hey, I'm Betty, real estate agent. I specialize in first-time buyers, investors, condos, single-family homes, duplexes, triplexes, rental properties, bridges, office buildings, retail buildings, and apartments. Who's heard that, that pitch before? And you go, what the hell do they do? You know, they do none of it. They do none of it well. So when I go to a network event, I say, I'm Bill Gross. I'm the LA probate expert. I'm the expert on probate sales in LA, California, Los Angeles, California. If you have a title problem, or somebody's on the title it shouldn't be, it's probably a probate solution. I can help you give me a call. They know exactly. Now, do people call me with other real estate? Of course they do. The big fallacy real estate agents have is, and investors have, is we think if we specialize in probate, our clients won't call us with their regular listings. It's 180 degrees wrong. Think about it. If your best friend was one of the world's leading brain surgeons, Back when you had questions about COVID, when it first came out, you're scared, who do you go to? And your doctor was too busy to talk to. Might you've asked your best friend, the brain surgeon, about COVID? Yes, because he's a genius in medicine, right? Maybe he doesn't know a lot about virology, but he's a genius. He'll tell you he doesn't know. Genius, experts don't claim expertise where they don't have it. They'll tell you what really what is real. And so when you're a probate real estate expert and you're doing business all the time, Somebody put in Ben Carson, and I don't know how active he still is in medicine, and I don't want to get into the politics of it, but I'm selling real estate all the time. I'm an expert in probate. Of course I could sell a regular house. It's not even hard. I could get the thing up, listed, and escrow before you even know it. So networking is so critical, so critical, that you have a pitch, an elevator pitch, that distinguishes you from everybody else. As we get back to more in-person events, and even in online events, Pick your niche, probate, estate planning, elder care, what, senior living, whatever it is for you. 
whatever rings your chime. Because if you ring that loud, people will come to you with business rather than you have to chase them. And pick an area that you create value for other people. My guiding light is, my first coach was Zig Ziglar. He said, you can have anything you want in life if you help enough other people get what they want. So these 11 ways, and each of the 11 have like 20 other things underneath them. And I could go for an hour, and I've done an hour on each of them. And I probably will at some point redo that class. But I want to say to you, find the way that works for you to create value for other people. Pick two or three ways. If you're doing business now, add an additional way. And if I can help with that, reach out to me. Okay, I've got a little long. Any questions? I don't see anything yet that I haven't got to. Any questions, comments? Raise your hand, chat box. I, I kind of want to wrap up because I don't want to go too long, but I want to hang on if you guys have a good question. Anybody? Feel free. If you're registered, you have my name, number. Text me, email me with questions, getting specifics. I know some of you had some more personal, detailed business plan type of questions. Let's talk. Maybe we can work on something together. Now, I'd love to help you because at the end of the day, helping you helps me. So let's work together. This is not meant for me to sell you anything. This is meant for me. I need a mastermind of colleagues committed to this business to help me raise my standards and raise my, my production. So with that said, probably weekly, every Thursday, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. It's live streamed on YouTube and Facebook. You can subscribe there. If you like it, if you're watching on recording, please like it and subscribe. Put a comment in, say hi, ask a question. Um, and uh, love to have you come back on it. If you're first time here, we do this every week. We normally interview people. Most of the time, I'd say 8 of 10 are interviews. 2 of 10, I do some content like I did today. Uh, and if you're regular here, thank you for your support. I really appreciate it. I do this because I love doing it, love working with you guys, and I'm here to help. So have a great week. If I can help you, Bill Gross, EXP, and social media, have a great week, everybody. Thank you so much. Oh, we're off next week for Thanksgiving, by the way. So we're off next week. You can come on with your turkey if you want to. Thanks.